Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am your host, Doug Winters. Today is episode 92, and my guest is Seth Stern of Something Different Party Rental, and I think he's here. There he is. The man, the myth, the Doug Winters. (laughs) So I was just introducing you, saying welcome to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast. My guest is Seth Stern of something different party rental and my big question to you is when do you get called in the process people will book the venue the band the photographer or the planner then the venue the band the photographer etc where does the party rental come in and do you ever get called when it's not either a planner or a caterer planning an event How's that for a question? Yes, that is all a wonderful question. And yes, all of the above and sometimes none of the above and often some different pieces of the above at different times. And I'll give you a quick history of something different party rental in two minutes or less, just to give a little context for what something different party rental is as a company and an organization and a culture. Something different party rental was started in 1982 by a guy named Jerry Linder. And Mm -hmm. something different party rental evolved at the same time as party rental limited and Broadway party rental, which I I mentioned them because the original three of us started at about the same time. And they were all based on delivering chairs, some to liquor store owners, some to hotel ballrooms. The industry originated by having stuff, which I call product, product is stuff, right? Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. But it was about product and it was product driven. And in something different party rentals case, there was a big focus on hotel ballrooms in New York City and country clubs in the tri-state area. And the focus then was chairs and tables. And the prior owner kind of expanded into the catering segment of the market. But when I bought something different in 2005, it was a deteriorating North Jersey rental company. It had sort of lost its luster in terms of its widespread appeal with caterers and the industry. And it was in large part because the prior owner wasn't investing in product and systems and things that were becoming more important as the industry matured. And so my focus when I bought it as a product driven company, which really was very fit for me because I have the shopping addiction and I love really fine things. And I really took it as an opportunity to focus on shifting the brand awareness of something different party rental, which ironically was done by utilizing the most simplistic of products that we had, which was a wooden table. Because a wooden table as it ages and they can last for 20 or 30 years, looks like it got put through a war. And it can have splinters <laughs> and metal coming out of it and staples. And, and that was kind of what I experienced. And the first thing, the first big impact was, okay, let's change out our tables. Because not actually the person that's getting married or the bride or the groom or the bride and bride or groom and groom or at that time that mm-hmm. wasn't happening, although I wish it had been, but thank goodness it is now. And it could be the bar bat mitzvah kid or the parents of the of the child having the party. So let's just say the client. The client. So the let's call the end user client, just for the discussion to make it uh, to the client who is the party thrower, the party giver, right? Right. Um, Or the event thrower, the client. 
So right. the client never saw that. The caterer saw that. And again, I bought this business knowing very little about what a rental company really did. I knew that I loved logistics and I loved warehousing and I valued having a tangible product in regards to the events industry. And I came out of it from event production and trying my hand at planning and stuff like that. And really mm -hmm. wasn't, my, my love is, is logistics and warehousing and trucking and figuring out how to make kind of erector sets in warehouses and things like that. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And so I had to identify who our customer was and our customers were designers and planners at the very beginning of me buying something different. And in order to appeal to them, I changed out the tables, I bought new chairs, and then I started adding charger plates or show plates, which are plates that are used for decorative purposes, often taken up before the first service. As you know, this was part of my education, learning from Kate Edmonds what a charger was. And I learned a lot listening to the Kate Edmonds interview, and I had no idea of her involvement in Saturday Night Live and what her history was. And Yeah, the Saturday Night Live after parties. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I had no yeah. idea what a rock and roll type of person she was. It, it just, it so doesn't come across in her. I think it's the, the proper British accent that throws you off. I think so. <laughs> so I started adding charger plates and colored glassware. And that's when I kind of realized there were different segments of the market. I, and I was, again, really quickly introduced to something different party rental by Harriet Rose Katz, who I was introduced to by Preston Bailey. And when you know Preston introduced me because I was interested in event planning and Harriet had me come and meet with her at her office. And what I didn't know at the time, and I do know now 17, 18 years later is she was trying to make a shit out. She was trying to make a match between me and her niece, Trisha Bernheim, who at the time was the creative director of Christian Dior and went through the cycle of dating and became my wife and the mother of my two beautiful children, Alexander and Spencer. So Harriet really was my focus and Preston was my focus. Then being introduced to other designers. I, I knew about the silo of our industry that related to event planners and designers. And though that, let's lump them together, is a silo that is very product driven and wants to have beautiful statement pieces and a look and feel and vibrancy to the event. There's a lot of rental companies that are about turning and burning product and they have a lot of stuff, but it deteriorates as the guy who's run my warehouse operations for 30 years, his name is Will Durango and he has been around since the beginning of something different party rental, but he says new is new. By definition, there's different stratas of the event marketplace. There's super high end, which are you know the top 1% that we hear about. There's this middle zone that is most of everyone else. And they want a wonderful party that looks in a way that they want it to look. And they need it to come in at a price point that they've established. And they're hiring event professionals to help them achieve their dream. And often they're hiring planners whose job is to negotiate with vendors and orchestrate both the introductions and then the eventual delivery of the service or the goods that we provide as an industry, which becomes the actual party. And then there are designers and different designers have different fortes. There are designers that focus on beautiful floral arrangements. There are designers that create structures to house their floral arrangements. Just to give an example of the people that I've had on, Duan Stroud, David Beam. Both designers, both wonderful, wonderful people. 
um, very different. But in other words, their designers, whereas our beloved, my beloved friend and your aunt, Harriet, was a planner, people like Eric Taylor of the younger generation and David and Dwan are designers as opposed to full-out planners. Correct. So in the olden days, when I say olden days, not that long ago, planners were, and we're going to use my auntie as an example, Harry Katz, yeah. helped shape the vision of the client and then made the introductions to the event designers. And based on what they discovered in their interaction with their clients, helps them determine which designers to introduce. Because somebody who's got a very limited budget that is really only interested, just say, for example, in a very modern party, may not be a forte of a specific designer. Whereas somebody who has this very elaborate floral vision and wants an immersive floral experience may very well be the right fit with the right designer. So the planners know. The planners know who does who does what best. Yeah, and, and the designers sometimes can cross over in many different directions. And the only reason I even interrupted you with that question is because both Eric Taylor and David Beam made a point of saying that they are designers and they don't work without a planner. Correct. You have a planner that's, that's interviewing designers. They're also bringing their client to venues that are, are appropriate and effective for whatever the client's vision is or whatever their parameters are. It could be size, it could be design. So now you've got a planner, you have a designer, and you have a venue. Now, a venue historically were country clubs and catering halls and hotel ballrooms. Let's just, let's just simplify back yeah. into the 70s and in the... 90s, I guess, you started to see the loft spaces and loft spaces had nothing in them. Historically, and this is a little bit before my time, caterers like the great performances or... Well, I'll give you a classic example. One of my early mentors was Ronnie Davis at Washington Street Caterers before he went to great performances. I must have done hundreds of parties together. A lot of them were in the Puck Building, which is on Houston and Prince. Yep. On the seventh floor and the ground floor, it was an empty space, mostly used for model shoots during the day. So it was literally empty. So one of the questions I asked him and one of the questions I asked David Beam was, how does an empty room go from an empty room to a spectacular party? That's a great question. And there's so many different ways that it happens. But it can't happen without you. It cannot happen without the equipment that a rental company provides. That's the point I'm trying to get to. Well, there's the client that hires the planner. The planner goes to a venue, finds a venue, certainly a band, you know, or have an idea of what they want musically. So then they go and they look at caterers, whether it's the hotel itself or an off-premise caterer or a caterer who at the time of the puck building would be providing on-premise catering which in that case would have been considered Tom Preddy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, would have been the caterer that would have been typically working at the puck building. When, uh, mm -hmm. now that might not have always been the case. Well, Ronnie owned Washington Street Caterers, so he, he was the caterer himself. So that's when it started. I see that's, that's long before my time. I was, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. hanging out in Wisconsin and following the Grateful Dead. I, I, you know, I, Don't make me feel old. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
we look just so I, because I know this is on the podcast, we look about the same age. So that would put you in the, the young, the young fifties. You do look like you're younger than me, just to be clear. And I look pretty young. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> um, so then you have the caterer and then all of these guys and gals come together and they start designing what this room is going to ultimately look like and how the party is going to flow, whether it's from a ceremony into a cocktail reception into a dinner dance, a corporate event that's got breakout rooms and everyone's working as a team. Right. So now we had, remember that first silo was event planners and designers. This next silo are venues and caterers because venues that don't have anything in them or venues that are fully included with stuff like a hotel still need to use equipment to execute the final product of the party. Talking about the nuts and bolts of a party. So when off-premise caterers like Washington Street Catering or, uh, and Ronnie Davis came onto the scene, they needed a warehouse of equipment and they needed somebody to bring that equipment to their parties. They either needed it set up for them or their team would come in and set it up. That is where the rental company comes in. And so what I learned early on when I bought something different was that I started with product and frankly, I, it fit really well with me. I, I actually was psyched. I'm buying this company. It's got a bunch of stuff that it owns. I'm going to go and I'm going to be able to play around with warehousing and make it better and more efficient and trucks. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the greatest Tonka toy but I love to travel the world and I love to find really unique and unusual things. And Harriet would encourage me to go and find tabletop China glass, things that hadn't been seen in the United States at parties yet. And so when I would go on buying trips around the world, I would often have Harry on FaceTime with me looking at products and saying, that's going to be really cool. Or, hey, you need to talk to Dewan, just as an example, or, uh, you know, at Libby or uh, call Elliot at Atlas or Stephen Collins at SBK. Get their opinions. You know, look at it through the lens of a designer. But here's the really big thing about party rental companies. We are the base layer, whether it's a, a hotel that owns its own kitchen and, and China glass silver and then adds a chair to an empty mm -hmm. space that has a caterer that needs everything from the setting up a kitchen to the bar, to the china glass silver, to a martini shaker and a jigger and a bar carpet and garbage cans and, 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 and figuring a way to get rid of the used grease and whatever it is. It's all based on this layer of a rental company. And because rental companies are the equipment of the special events and the events industry, a huge industry and it's also in some parts very commoditized and in other parts very unique and what i saw was that i will always love to buy beautiful product but if i have beautiful product and i don't have a team that can embrace that product and, and care for it and extend the life of that product because let's face it if i buy a hundred dollar plate i'm usually not able to rent it for a hundred dollars sometimes i am but, but typically I'm able to rent it for a lot less. So I have to have it in my inventory for a long time before it pays for itself. And so it's the processes that are designed to keep that product in good rentable shape that are so much more important than the actual product because I can- Oh, that's what you meant by processes. Yeah, and so, so it's not just the product. You know, rental companies call it rental fleet. 
because they don't see it just as a, a table or a chair or a glass or a plate. Think of it more in terms of Hertz rental car. Their rental fleet are their cars. And one, a consumer, any consumer that's listening to this podcast goes and rent, has rented a car, I presume, if they have a driver's license at some point. Yeah. Think of it more like that. Our rental fleet are all of the items that are used to compose a party from staging to China glass silver to linens. And it's the processes that are designed to keep that product in shape, right? So it's relatively easy for me with advance notice, working with our creative partners to be able to find the right product for any party in the world. It doesn't matter what kind of a party or event it is. With the right communication, the right team, the right lead time, I can find things and, and have them in time for an event. Even if it's short notice, we can often do it for the right party. What set me out from the rest of the market when I started doing this was that because I would travel, I'd find tabletop with Harriet's help that was often a year or more in advance of the U.S. retail market even seeing it. So a lot of these really high-end parties would have tabletop that hadn't been seen in this market. It was generated with European design. We either built it in Europe or we had it built in China or Vietnam or Indonesia. And so then what I started to look at was how the rental company of something different party rental viewed processes that it took to both buy and then to deliver the product. And I broke it out into some steps. And our core, we rent tables and chairs, china glass, silver, linen. Again, I use the word stuff not to diminish it because it's incredibly important, but it's a lot of stuff. So for me to put one word around it is just easier to reference it as stuff. First, we identify there's a need for a new plate, just using that as an example. And then we go and we buy it, we catalog it, we get it into our computer system, we assign it barcodes, we find a home for it in the warehouse. We know where it's going to go based on how much, and it's got to be a logical place for it. It's got to make sense with regards to category and use as well as frequency of, of times that we're going to have to pull it. And then we get a request from our customer for a proposal and our customers are, are B2B. So we work with planners, designers, venues, and caterers. Um, and so we get the request and then that request with our account managers goes back and forth and it can go back and forth once or twice with changes. And imagine, just think you have a party for a hundred people that could have 10 tables, a hundred chairs, you get it, it goes back and forth and a hundred goes to 92 and 92 goes to 104. And every okay. time that guest count changes and the caterer is changing the order and the designer is adding another tablecloth, every single time that change is made, it creates opportunity for error. An opportunity for error means <laughs> <laughs> high holy hell with everybody involved in that party that's aware of that error. And so I view my job and my team's job as making sure that we get it right. Everything that is needed that we could possibly be aware of has been determined and asked and added or subtracted in that order, that piece of paper that reflects all of the equipment that's used in an event has to be right. We have an extraordinarily high accuracy rate. We ask a tremendous amount of questions. So many that I've had people say, you ask too many questions. And, and my answer, no, really, like it's like you're being annoying. You're asking so many questions. But here's the question. Do you want your party to be right? Do you want your equipment to be where you need it, when you need it, and how you need it? 
or are you willing to take the risk that something goes wrong? And our job is to make sure that our customers, whether it's a planner, a designer, a venue, or a caterer, asks and answers the questions that we need to get it right on our end. Because I see events as loops, they're process loops. Our loop opens and closes before a party and after a party. That's, and during a party, we're set up with a loop for emergencies. We are 24 seven. There is never a time when you're gonna get an auto attendant day or night. You're gonna get one of our key people and management that have a direct access to our on-call warehouse team that have our drivers on standby. They're all made aware they could be called in the middle of the night. We have multiple ways of getting them and have been known to go and knock on their door if they're sleeping and we need to get them up to get in the truck. When our caterers that we work with regularly, you know, whether it's Tom Preddy or Paul Newman's company or Michael Scott, I mean, there, there are caterers that we are primarily, you know, doing a lot of work with. And so their team knows that it could be Seth that shows up and, you know, and I'm, they're hitting me on my phone and I'm, I'm responding to the best of my ability while I'm rushing to get there. But then what's really always amusing is when somebody who we don't typically work with sees me show up and they're like, why are you here? I'm like, well, because you needed it and it was the fastest way to get it to you. <laughs> you being the owner of the company. Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Me being the owner of the company. And so we're making the changes. Then we get the order and the order gets sent to the warehouse. And that's where really things that are the same routine and repetitive processes. When does the guest count get finalized? We really need 12 o'clock the day before an event in order to pull and load trucks appropriately. We're loading trucks. 12 o'clock the day before delivery. So if you know there's 228 guests, do you bring extra just for the heck of it? That's a good question. Certain items we have are packed in units of tens or fives. So organically there might be extra, but we have such a high accuracy rate and our product quality is so high that right. it's almost unheard of that somebody needs extra. So it's one of the benefits of working with something different party rental is that mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about mixed shades and off-size linens and dirty dishes or dirty glasses. We have processes inside of our operation, inside of our warehouse that speak directly to that. So it actually saves our clients money. They, they might pay an extra 25 or 50 cents because they only need eight forks, but they get 10. But I think some of our competitors do packs of 25. I think 10 is the right number with flatware. Plates are packed in packs of fives. Um, sometimes I'll, like yesterday, we had an order go out this weekend actually. And I said, send a couple extra chairs in case the count goes up. And so in that case, we did proactively. We do everything in support of relationships. That, that so again, it's the stuff is a transaction, but the relationship is what I thrive on. And my best customers are those that are honest, both good and bad. They're communicative. They get us involved earlier in the planning cycle so we can help lend our view of the logistics needs and maybe product ideas if, if that's asked of us. Having a high degree of communication that are about re, you know repetitive work gets right. really good. It's like a restaurant that's slow makes mistakes and the restaurant's hot and the kitchen's hot. There's very rarely are there mistakes. Same thing with us. One of the big concerns that I've heard in the industry is that we're gonna be rusty coming out of the pandemic. Yes. And that's true if you're not planning for it. And so now we're planning for it and we're built again on systems, picking the item, prepping the item, which includes counting and potentially labeling 
by both delivery location as well as use, uh, loading a truck, delivering the items. That's that loop that I talked about before the party. Now we've delivered, we've placed it into wherever it's going in the venue that it's being had. Our truck comes back home to Patterson, New Jersey, glorious Patterson, New Jersey, which by the way, has been wonderful to me as a company and as a person and has a huge historical significance to the world of manufacturing in the United States. And that you're the first person who's ever complimented a town or a city. Is it a city? It's a, it's, it's a, well, it's part of Passaic, New Jersey, and it's a city within Passaic. But Patterson as a city has been good to us as a company. Oh, that's great. We're right on Route 80. We're 20 minutes out of the city. So that's our loop. Our drivers go back. Our trucks go back. Maybe there could be 10 stops on that truck. Maybe there's one. Maybe there's an event that has five trucks. Sometimes a client will ask us to provide production services. You know, Barbara Esses, who is a wonderful planner and a wonderful friend of mine, and Ruthie Esses, her daughter, they have us provide bulk labor production services for them on site. We've done sanitation services for them. Be specific about that. What does that mean? Literally? That means that I've stayed on site at Spring Studios for 24 hours, setting up chairs, moving chairs, being ready to break down a dance floor. And generally, once a party starts with them, will provide the sanitation loop of an event. If you think of openings and closings, so our loop on a typical job closes when we make the delivery mm -hmm. and we go home and we do whatever we do. And then the pickup is scheduled. Let's just say it's a 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. wedding on a Saturday night. At 11 o'clock, we're there waiting to start entering their ballroom to pick up the chairs. The caterers typically stack up chairs and put away all the glassware and put it into the racks we're there to pick it up. That's a typical rental cycle loop where we then now are on site, we pick up our equipment, we bring it back to the warehouse, we count everything in, we then inspect it, wash it, repair it, or garbage it if, if the useful life of the product is done. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that would be something that would fit our quality standards. And for me, quality is consistency. So if I have a product that's a budget product, then there's a set of parameters around what makes that useful. If there's a very high-end product that's extremely expensive, and I have those, I have chairs that can be $150. No, you talk about that plate that costs $100. I, I, I had a, a Preston Bailey designed a charger plate and uh, we were the rental company for him and, and it was extraordinarily expensive and we maintained it and it gets hand-washed and it goes back onto the rack and it waits patiently until another order is called for its use. And then the pickers go and pick it. They bring it to an area in the warehouse where the preppers count it and they label it. And then they say, okay, this order is ready. They, they seal it off. And as soon as that truck is called to be loaded, the loading team comes and loads it. And at that point, those are all loops. Remember, opening and closing, a picking mm -hmm. is a loop. Mm -hmm. The prepping is a loop. It gets a stamp on it. It gets a, a tape around it and a, and a sheet that says, this order is ready for our customer. And the same thing happens with delivery. We deliver it, there's, there's instructions on where to deliver it, where to place it, how to place it. Maybe we're going to a homeowner in the Hamptons that the caterer doesn't want us to be on site until they're present. So our drivers are calling their contact at the caterer or the planner, whoever it is that's in charge of orchestrating our services on site. And that's a loop, that's a delivery loop. And there's a set of rules that relate to that. I think in terms of blocks, like a computer programmer, and that's why I call them loops. 
Right. We have industrial engineers on staff that build out these systems with me. I would presume a party rental has that. And I mean, we're talking sophisticated companies like party rental, LTD, or myself, you know, out in the Midwest would be event source in, in Cleveland and Panache party rental in Florida. You're talking about really sophisticated warehousing. Oh, so you know, your, I wouldn't even say your competition, you know, the people that do what you do maybe throughout the world extraordinarily well and and not only that they're instrumental to my having grown in this industry the american rental association has been incredibly important to me what is that that's our trade association i have a thousand i'm making this up a thousand gold ballroom chairs and i have the rabbi convention needs ten thousand gold ballroom chairs delivered to pier 60. how am i going to satisfy that because i'm not going to go buy another nine thousand chairs i'm going to need to have relationships where I can call other rental companies and access their equipment. It's your relationships with other people as well as, yeah. Well, the okay. industry. And that was something that was very unique, I think, to the rental industry. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to hear in your podcast in particular, our industry coming together and having peer networking. And I mean, I know that groups like ILEA and WIPA and some of the industry trade groups have really done a good job of bringing together competitors. But it always amazed me that I would talk to a caterer and, and I would say, have you ever met so-and-so? No, nope, never wanted to meet another caterer. What? Like how? Well, because they're so isolated and they're so competitive and they don't need each other or they didn't need each other. The rental industry had a tremendous amount of overlap in terms of who we talk with and how we grow as an industry. We compete. We absolutely compete very aggressively, but we compete on an even playing field that is fair. We never talk about price. We never talk about our clients. We talk about, hey, Jim, I need a thousand gold chairs. Do you have them available on this date? Yes. Okay, book them for me, please. Thank you. And then I go and send trucks and pick them up and deliver them and pick them up and bring them back. And if something's broken or missing, I pay them for it. It's a very cooperative segment of the event industry. Because at the end of the day, all of us have to work as a unified team. I think Jen Brisman talked about it on her podcast about the VOW network. Uh, I was just going to bring that up. She's right. Our system as a group has to have our own processes work with each other to get a bride and a groom to see the finished event and not have any idea what was going on behind the scenes. You like uh, going to Disneyland and you see Mickey Mouse rip off his face mask and start smoking a cigarette. It's like, uh, oh my God, the magic has just ended. Yeah, I don't want to see that. And so yeah. our approach is if our end user, our client, our mutual clients don't know what was going on, then that's a win because there's always mistakes. There's always uh, convolution and backups and things that aren't. So our job, my job is to plan for the unplanned. And I think our industry's job is to plan for the unplanned. And oh, the, yeah. best, the best way you can do that from a process perspective is to have systems. And so, for example, you asked about when we need to know an order by. The reason yeah. we need an order by 12 o'clock the day before it's going to be delivered is that that's when we start loading those trucks. And we know that if requests for reductions come in after that period of time, errors happen on deliveries. Things are taken off inadvertently off of the truck, a whole truck might need to be unloaded to reduce the count that's been happening. A whole truck may need to be reloaded to get the stuff that's added to that order. 
we may have to dispatch a second truck for two glasses because to disrupt the rest of that truck would cause opportunity for error. You think of quality as a standard and to get to quality, you have to have processes that are the same each and every time. Right. My job and my industrial engineer's job to create those steps in the process. It's our employee's job to follow those guidelines and produce in accordance with those steps every single time so that the result is always accurate. That's why we have so few errors on deliveries. Again, the fourth piece of this and the most important piece of it are the people that are following the processes. That was really my evolution of understanding of what a rental company is. It's got product, it's got this fleet of stuff that you need for a party. A lot of it's commoditized. A lot of it's like, well, you know, why should I pay you 55 cents when that other company's got it for 54 cents? Well, you get what you <laughs> asked for from the other company. But for me, and this is what makes something different, party rental so unbelievably unique, is our people. And it's what was so catastrophic to me with the pandemic. I had anywhere from 35 people to, I mean, at my peak, I had 78 people working for me. Wow. My people that make up my team that have been there for 30 years, that are stuck with me through this pandemic, that are willing to come in and risk their lives because we have deliveries to make to hospitals and elder care facilities on behalf of our catering customers because we're a logistics and warehousing and trucking company. That's what we are. That's what our part of this industry is. I'll never tell somebody we can do something and not do it. You are not allowed on my team to say, I'll call you back and not call someone back. If you do that, that's a fireable offense. And wow. We only have the trust that our clients put in us. They have to feel confident we're gonna be there when we say we are. Now, that doesn't mean we can always get there when we say we're gonna get there. When UN General Assembly is in town, we'll expand our windows of operation because we know that we're gonna get backed up. So we'll say we can't take any short time deliveries. Oh my God, I need my delivery at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you know, Doug, I'm sorry. I, I just, I can't say yes to that then. I'm, I, I never wanna turn your order away, but I cannot promise you I'm gonna be at the UN at 12 o'clock on Tuesday when general, you know, when- <laughs> Turn the General Assembly. It's just, it's not, I, I can't make that commitment. We know what the UN General Assembly looks like and, and that's what we do. We're your logistics team. The fact that we're in this pandemic and it's lasted for 10 months as an industry, we can't work. Our hands are tied. We're not allowed to work. Like Hurricane Sandy, for example, we had a call to help deliver, what was it? The finish line of the New York Marathon, the gift bags had apples and water and power bars. We all volunteered. No one wanted to be paid. We took the trucks, we loaded them up with all the stuff that was at the finish line. And we delivered them to people that were scared and cold and had no food, no power, no water. And we brought them to Staten Island. The next day we took the trucks to Coney Island. Then we went to the Rockaways and then we went back to Red Hook. So we did four days of relief distribution and it felt good. And it was from our hearts and it was from our soul and it was our team being able to contribute. What's happened now with, with the pandemic is we can't do anything. 
When Gourmet Advisory, when Trisha, my wife, and Claudia Warner and Melissa Rosenblum called and said, listen, we're putting together this party for Lenox Hill healthcare workers. And they said, would you be able to help? And are you interested? Separate and aside from the fact that it's my family, the absolute undeniable truth is yes, I can't wait to help. And so we opened up our warehouse and we did the fulfillment on the gift bags. And then the day of the party, we went with our truck and a couple of guys with a simple mission of saying thank you. And so did all of the members of their Chosen Few Collective. Total Entertainment was the DJ. Jen Gould did the design and decor. It was really very festive with balloons and, and a big thank you sign laid out. Yet Abigail Kirsch did popcorn that was just so good. Dewan Stroud contributed votive candles, Copacabana put a little brownie in, and that did the swag. I mean, we even had my kids out there handing out bags. It was awesome. Yeah, that's great. I want to continue to give back and say thank you because the fact that all these people put their lives on the line to help society is magical. After I interviewed Sylvia Weinstock, she was about to have her 90th birthday. And she allowed me to take her out for her birthday. And she lives in Tripeca and she picked a place and it was this place called Frenchette, which I understand now. I didn't know then, but I understand now it was very famous. When I had Brian Raffinelli on, I said, Brian, this is so exciting, a genuine icon. And he says, Sylvia Weinstock is an icon. Hmm. I'm good, but Sylvia Weinstock is. By the way, that was one of the finest interviews I've ever heard of anyone. Oh, thanks. She was so articulate and you were so intrigued and, and allowed her to tell her story. And, and what I learned in that was amazing. Thank you. It was really, it was a really wonderful interview. So if you haven't listened to it, I suggest listening to Sylvia Weinstock, who's a friend of mine as well. I actually designed our wedding cake in 2004. From my perspective, I just want to express gratitude to you and say thank you for this. This has been a really enlightening podcast series for me. I've been doing this for a long time and I've learned more in the last couple of months of listening to your podcasts. And I'm really appreciative of Bobby Severini for putting us together because I have learned more listening to your podcasts and clarified my story about so many people in our industry by hearing your podcast that I think it's gonna be very helpful when we come out of this as a group. And I think it's gonna bring us all together. I, I really genuinely appreciate that. Doug, thank you. This has been amazing and uh, go Nets. <laughs> go Rangers. I'm so psyched because they played a great game and there's so many injuries and I'm a huge Ranger fan. I'm a huge hockey. Thank you, Seth. That was terrific. I hope you guys got as much out of that as I did because I learned more about systems and loops and treating this business like a business than I have in a very long time. And thank you all for sharing some time with us. If you want to follow Seth, which I hope you do, he's at Something Different Party Rental on Instagram. And I am at Doug Winters, Inc. on Instagram. Subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe, stay strong, get your shots when it's time to get them. I really do appreciate you being here. Have a great week. Bye-bye now.